Okay, good vach. Uh, today is actually not just a vach, it's also a yontiv, it's a 15th of av. And it's a time when there is a tremendous bracha comes down to the world. As the Gemara says, that on the 15th of av and on, um, anyone who makes a decision to learn more Torah at night, Hashem will add life to their life. Life to their life. Which doesn't only mean that you live longer, but also means that there's more life in your life. So I wanted to um, uh, share a few thoughts that I uh, learned from Rabbi Yol Khan, Olvashalm. I merited to uh, learn from him uh, for a couple of years. And in addition to being in his class, I also heard thousands of hours of his teachings, which are recorded. And um, uh, I also want to share, besides a few stories that I heard from Rabbi Yel, also a something about a wedding, because tonight is the uh, uh, the 15th of Av, is a time when, just like Hashem reconciles the Jewish people, Hashem is compared to a groom, and we're compared to their bride, so Hashem reconciling with the Jewish people is also uh, mirrors the bracha of a of a chasen finding his kala. So Rabbi Yel, share with you three three short stories that Rabiel would sh- three of his favorite stories. Rabiel would, would would had an incredible sense of humor and he, he his stories also that he would share were also always um always had like a had a impish sense of humor if you will. Um first story is like this first story is there were two chassidim who were talking about where they're going to send their child to study. Beryl, if you could mute yourself, please, that would be appreciated. Uh, they're stu- they, they, they were discussing where should they send their child to study. And one chassid said to the other, he's going to send his son to study in the yeshiva of Rabbi Machol Teitelbaum. Machol Teitelbaum had begun a yeshiva, which was unique that in New York at the time, where they only studied Lumudi Kodesh only Religious studies, no secular studies. So, the other chassid said that's a pretty, uh, pretty, pretty uh, uh, risky kind of thing to do because you're not learning any, you're not teaching your child any secular studies. It's a pretty risky thing to do. So, other chassid replied, "Hashem will help." So, the first chassid said, "Well, what you're saying, Hashem will help, it sounds very noble and very, very holy, but what you're saying really is what Hasidus calls." Yehudi Ilah. means the understanding that there's nothing besides Hashem. It's a level of, of appreciation of Hashem's truth where there is nothing else other than Him. So it's something that only very uh, great Hasidim are capable of, of internalizing. And I say great, I mean Hasidim of, of generations ago, not, not, not regular guys. So the other, so the Chassid responded to him saying, "Oh, Hashem will help." You're speaking Yehudiyah, which which is another way of saying what you're saying is too is 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 too fantastic. It's too you're at a, you're, you're 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 it's it's too wacky. You're, you're you're speaking wacky. So the first Chassid responded. He said, "I'm not. It is Yehudiyah. I agree with you. What I'm saying is 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 this level of truth of the oneness of Hashem. Yeah, I, I agree with you. What I'm saying, Hashem will for sure help." You won't study secular studies, and he's still going to be successful in life. What I'm saying is indeed Yehudi 
So the first, so the second guy is like, are you up to that level? Like, what are you even saying? So the first chassid responded and he said, I'm not up to Yechudilah. I'm not up to that level, but I believe in Yechudilah. I believe in this level. I'm not up to it, but I believe in it. So Rabbi Yil would always talk about the story and say that even if you're learning Hasidus and you don't really internalize what Hasidus is saying, but you know it's the truth. And since you know it's the truth, that should be what your decisions you make in life should be guided by Hasidus. Although Hasidus is something which is which shares a truth which is beyond you, but that should be your guiding light about how to make decisions because it's absolute truth. It doesn't matter if it's your truth, it's the truth. So when you make a decision about your child, you have your own yetzar, your own evil inclination in yourself, which, which challenges your decisions about what you need to do. Uh, but when you're talking about what decisions you make for your children, they don't have a yetzar. So you should make the decision, which is, which, is, which is according to the truth. Of course, send your child to the place where Torah and Judaism and Hasidus say is the best place, a place where they study only uh, without any secular studies. That was, that was one story we always share. Because it it was a very um, fundamental story. It, it it highlights how, in general, the way to, to approach the teaching of Chassidus that it's not just about um, you know lofty ideas, but it's actually meant even if you're not, if you're not up to it, it's, most, it's supposed to be something that, that guides you in your life. Second story he loved was uh, when Abiel uh, Abiel merited to re- literally bring thousands of people to understanding of Chassidus. Many of them are people who never were brought up with Chassidus. He taught in Williamsburg, in uh, in the Satmer Chassidim, who they never experienced, never never were exposed to Chassidus. And many of those Satmer Chassidim that he taught became Chabad Chassidim. Sir Biel once was t- speaking to a group of, uh, of, 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 we had a Fabrengen, and, and all of the guys who he had taught decades before they were like speaking in the back while he was teaching the you know the, the new generation. <laughs> so Rabbi Yehl, uh, told these guys who had skipped his his class, his original students. He said to them, "This boy comes home from school, and his father says to him, "No, you want to learn Gemara?" He says, "No, no, I don't want to learn Gemara." He's I'm a yeshiva. I'm a yeshiva student. Because I'm a yeshiva student, in other words, I don't have to learn Gemara. I'm a yeshiva student. I, learned, I do that in yeshiva already. So Biel was saying, like, just because you originally, you, you learned you learned lots of Torah years ago, you're a yeshiva student, it doesn't make you um, uh, already so knowledgeable that you don't have to learn any more, any more Torah. You, you, on the contrary, you should, you should want to learn more. Third story he loved to share was the following. He said that he had a cousin who wasn't religious, and his father, Rabbi Fall, Nachman Khan, asked Rabbi Yoel, asked his son, please go into the Rebbe. He lived in Israel, and he asked his son, New York, please go into the Rebbe, and asked the Rebbe for a bracha, that our cousin should, sorry, our cousin should, should do tshuva, he should, he should return to Judaism. So Rabbi Yoel went into the Rebbe, and he asked for a bracha for this cousin. So the Rebbe said, how old is your cousin? So he said, that uh, he, made, he made a calculation all this cousin was, and the Rebbe said, okay, good. I just, I wanted to know if the previous Rebbe had seen him. The previous Rebbe visited Israel, so Rabbi Yol's cousin, who was now not religious, he was then religious, and he surely would have been there when the, Friedrich Rebbe, when the previous Rebbe visited Israel. 
So the Rebbe said, I wanted to know, based upon his age, if he would have been, in, if he would have seen the previous Rebbe, because the Rebbe said, if the previous Rebbe's eyes would have seen him, that certainly would give him inspiration to do true. So we always always spoke about this story, you know, you, you can try to make an effort yourself and coming close to Hashem, but then there's something that you are given as a gift from a tzaddik, which, which is something which is, you can't reach by yourself. Those are the stories that Rebbe Yol shared. Now I just want to share with you one more story of the Rebbe. This is connected, as I said, with the 15th of Av, as is today's a day which brings brachas down for all those who need a shidduch chaim, anyone who needs a shidduch, should find their shidduch in an easy way, in a, in a happy way, without any anxiety, without any worry. Chaim. There was a, um, there is a woman named Devorah Emanuel who lives together uh, with her husband in Chicago. And when she was um, growing up in Long Island, she was not born in a religious family. And uh, she she met Rabbi Gutman Barris and his wife who opened up a little shul over there. And that inspired her to, um, to pursue uh, Torah and Judaism until she was uh, interested to actually join the yeshiva for women in Kronites. And uh, she studied in that yeshiva. Actually, Rabbi Barris's son, uh, continue as far as I know, he's still teaching in that yeshiva as well, Machel Chana. Anyways, in 1983, in January, it was her 30th birthday, and she wrote a letter to the Rebbe asking the Rebbe if she, she should continue studying in a seminary in Israel, or should she try to get married? The Rebbe responded in January of uh, 83 that she should continue in Machel Chana until Pesach, and then after Pesach, she should try to find her prospective other. And so she, that's what she did. And she thought like right after Pesach, oh, Rebbe said till Pesach, and they know the day after Pesach, she'll find somebody. It actually happened uh, nine weeks later when she met her husband, Menachem, and who also was a Baal Teshuvah. And in July of 1993, they were engaged. They wrote to the Rebbe about two options of a date when to get married. They checked the communal community calendar to make sure that the date that they would choose would be okay. And they wrote there were two options. One option was to get married on the 12th day of Tishrei, and the other option was to get married in the middle of the month of Kislev. And in general, the Rebbe always favors short engagements, because halachically, the time of engagement is when the chasen and kalo, husband and wife, have to still keep their distance from each other. The laws of modesty are different before marriage and after marriage, obviously. So therefore, it was said that when, they, when, there's deeper, when there's closeness because of the engagement, that presents a challenge for this young couple. And therefore, they should, among other things, uh, such as not seeing each other so often, they've also said that they should make the engagements, should be as, take as much time as you need to decide who you want to marry, but once you get engaged, make the wedding as soon as possible right afterwards. So the Rebbe responded, they should get married on the 12th day of Tishrei. Great. So they set the day for that wedding. And the morning, the Rebbe actually wrote the words, why wait so long? Why wait, in other words, till the next month? Get married early, the 12th day of Tishrei. The morning of the wedding, the Rebbe's secretary, Rebbe Klein Elvasholom, called up the Kala, called up Devora, and said to her that for spiritual reasons, the Rebbe usually would hold the Hasidic gathering on the 13th day of Tishrei, which is the anniversary of the passing of the Rebbe Marash. 
But for spiritual reasons, the Rebbe decided that he's going to make this Fabrengen the day before on the 12th day of Tisha. And the Rebbe said that he wants to uh, appease the bride. And uh, and she was very, you know, very hurt because she thought if the Rebbe is going to have a gathering that night, that means no one's going to come to her wedding. And Menachem's family was from Seattle, and they are going to come, but why would they miss the Rebbe's Fabreng? And they're going to skip the wedding and go to the Fabreng. And her friends and her Yeshiv Mochachana, they also want to go to the Rebbe's Fabreng. No one's going to come to the wedding. So the Rebbe certainly knew about this. And even before Rabbi Klein made this phone call, and Rabbi Klein said that the Rebbe suggested that, that they call all the vendors, the caterer, the florist, the photographer, the band, and tell them the wedding is starting exactly on time at 6.30. And so that way, uh, you know, you know, usually Jewish weddings don't really start on time, but they should announce it is starting on time. And the Fabrengen isn't starting till 9.30. And then the client said the Rebbe made another offer to the Kala. And the offer is that they should make the concluding blessings, the Sheva Brachas, at the Rebbe's Fabrengen. And that which meant that after the, the, the wedding was going to be across the street in, in, in the Jewish center in Oitera, and they're going to walk across the street to go to the 277 Eastern Parkway, for the Sheva Brachas. And after a client explained the Rebbe's suggestion, he says, do you give your permission? Which means that the Rebbe wasn't going to do this unless the Kala agreed. So she didn't feel like she had a choice. So she said, okay. But she really was saying inside herself, no, 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 my wedding's going to be ruined. Anyways, Rabbi Majeski called her an hour later, and he is the Dean of Machan Chana. He said, what do you think? She didn't say anything. She said to her, do you understand the great merit of having Sheva Brachas by the Rebbe's Fabrengen? What merit did your parents, maybe one of your grandparents, they did something very special to earn this distinct merit that you should be able to have your Sheva Brachas in front of the Rebbe, something unique. She didn't feel it was unique. She just said, no one's going to come to my wedding. You're not going to come to my wedding. He said, I promise you, I'm going to stay at your wedding till the end. And also Rabbi Levitin, who has come to the wedding from Seattle, made the same Assurance to her, I'm going to stay until you say the wedding is over. Anyways, uh, that meant a lot to her because she was she felt that these, at least these great rabbis were going to come, and it was proved to be a lot more than that. What happened was was that the Rebbe wanted people to participate in this wedding, and she noticed right up by the, by the chuppah all these people that she didn't know who they were. They all came to join in the joy and to add in the simcha. And not only that, right after the chuppah, the Rebbe himself. Rebbe's car came by, Rebbe got out of his car, and Rebbe stopped in front of the Chosen Kal and said to the Mazel Tov. And then, and as Rebbe had promised, right after the um, wedding was over, they walked to 770, and uh, it was a beautiful thing. They, they did the Sheva Brachas in front of the Rebbe. And if you think about it, it's really something remarkable, because the Rebbe you know, gets thousands and thousands of letters, but remember, remember the date that she had chosen, that the Rebbe had chosen, and... Uh, and and wanted to make sure that the bride should feel like that that her wedding is, is a happy occasion and shouldn't be compromised by this very important thing that as I said the spiritual reasons that the Fabrain has to go on, but yet the Rebus didn't want her to feel slighted, she should feel feel appeased. Anyway, that's the story of the story I wanted to share. Good news.